In real construction businesses, you don't have venture capital money and you need to rely on actual cash flow. Volume is vanity and profit is sanity. How do I market? How do I, you know, prepare a bid? How do I, you know, do all my contracts, negotiate my contracts? In the last quarter, 40% of construction companies had negative cash flow. Industry is going through a tough time right now. What do you think the next six months has in store? Just quickly before we get started, if you don't have time to review your own construction contracts that you're about to sign, or you don't have the expertise, obviously you're an expert in some other area, maybe not in contracts, please go to quantumcontractsolutions.com, book in a call with our team, and we will show you how we can help you sign a better contract that has way less risk and ultimately set you up to make more profit on your construction contracts and stay in business over the long term. Go to quantumcontractsolutions.com and we'll see you there. In this video, I'm gonna expand on five tweets from X that went big, and I go into a little bit more detail in every single one so they understand the concepts completely to allow you to have more margin on your construction business, have better cash flow, and last a long time. I have 20 years of construction experience, a candidate told me today. Do you though, really? You've been doing the same job for 20 years at roughly the same level. No, you've one years of experience 20 times. Yeah, we see this a lot in the construction industry. There's, you know, people come in and when I was looking for people to hire into the business, people often always rely on, I got 20 years experience. So if you're in construction and you've got 20 years of experience doing loads of different things in lots of different roles, then maybe you have 20 years experience. But if you have done the same thing over and over and over and over again for 20 years, no, you don't have 20 years experience you've one years of experience 20 times it makes a big difference when you're trying to hire really good people into your business that you understand what level of experience they're bringing to you and when someone just throws 20 years of experience at you I, I don't really look at it too much I, I try and see what it is that they've done over those 20 years that makes them want to ultimately charge a lot more money for their salary next one is in real construction businesses you don't have venture capital money and you need to rely on actual cash flow volume is vanity and and profit is sanity. Yeah, that's it. I mean, a lot of construction companies these days are VC backed and they have loads of money to go out and just win work. Most construction companies don't. Most construction companies have to rely on cash flow to fund everything, really. They have to be self-financing. So how do you structure your business in a way that your cash flow is high enough to be able to reinvest back into the companies so that you get better equipment, better people, so ultimately you can deliver a better product or service so that you get a good reputation for doing that and if you're able to do that then ultimately you get a better reputation and you get more work because people think that you're great and that's how you get into that virtuous cycle in construction where you just grow and grow and grow in construction the smaller the ego the bigger the bank account yeah this is so true like if we take the example of disputes for example the traditional speed I've been involved in so many disputes on construction sites where you just have people shouting at each other and just going left right and center just shouting 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 and they get nowhere I've seen the best type of way to handle a dispute or to handle an issue is to be super calm leave your ego at the door and be able to work something out because what tends to happen is in the construction dispute meeting you come in hot and then they react to the hotness and then nothing progresses in that meeting and then ultimately you don't move forward and you just delay your cash flow and delay your cash flow and it gets pushed out and that works in their favor and meanwhile you're struggling for money you just want to get paid whereas if you're able to go into a meeting and just let them completely speak say everything they want to say and make sure that you let them know that you've heard them so hey 
I've, you know, this is what you said to me, X, Y, and Z. Okay, then you can run through what we call is the grow strategy. So you go G for goal, right? So the goal for me in this meeting is to find a resolution one way or the other. Then we go to or, which is the reality. The reality is we have X, Y, and this is where you, you give the stats, the facts, no emotions whatsoever, fact, 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 fact. And then we go for O, which is options, options, right? Well, the first option is we can, you know, one really bad option. We can have this thing, we can go to court, we can make a whole thing. Second option is a reasonable offer we look look we'll look we don't want to get into the detail of it but we'll knock five percent off what we, we try to give you because of, of whatever and then we'll just move forward and we'll deliver the project or three some other option but you give them three options that you're happy with and then the last one is w for way forward give the power back to them which of my options do you want to choose and let them choose another thing that you want to be careful of in dispute meetings is oftentimes there's like this overarching problem right am i going to get paid this 250 500 grand right and then within that there's loads of little things that happens and so what ends up happening in these meetings you want to talk about the overarching problem but you get drawn into these shitty little arguments below hand which make you know they just pull away from the overall goal right so oh but, but x y and z and then you go into a little fight about this little thing it doesn't progress the overall thing so you want to stay super high level stop going into the detail in these meetings make sure you're speaking to the right guy you can make the decision on whether we pay the 250 grand or not and work on that figure not all these little things below they're going to want to get into the details to knock stuff off. You don't want to do that. You want to stay up the top. In the last quarter, 40% of construction companies had negative cash flow. Industry is going through a tough time right now. What do you think the next six months has in store? Construction is one of these industries where even in COVID, for example, it didn't necessarily go down crazy in comparison to other industries because when the government typically is going through a downturn and, and wants to correct it and they want to pump money into the economy, which is what they've been doing, let's face it, printing money, pumping money in, when they do that, they can just give money to people and then people can spend it and they'll spend it on you know, a TV, the TV is made in China and the money ends up in China, right? So that's not really what they want to do. Two secs and we'll get right back to the show. If you are a return listener, can you please leave a rating and subscribe? It makes a huge difference to the amount of people that see the podcast and the amount of people that we can impact. It will take you less than 10 seconds and you can do it while you're listening. And let's get back to the show. So instead they go, well, if we're going to spend this money anyway, we might as well build bridges, hospitals, schools, stuff that's going to benefit the economy, which means construction. So constructions tend to do well in a lower cycle than other industries. Even though the outlook doesn't look massively good at the moment, it is still pretty good for contractors. Now, if you're dealing with like tier B contract or projects, tier B contracts are run-of-the-mill projects that are around town that everybody does with a smaller GC main contractor. These main contractors are not financially stable. They're small they're young and ultimately they're very subject to the market if the market goes down then ultimately they go down and all the projects go but if you're dealing with like the grade a projects which you have a gc or a main contractor has been around for a longer period of time is financially a little bit more stable that tends to not happen because they pick up these projects and then the size of the projects are a little bit bigger you're more likely to get paid your cash flow is more likely to be better so typically you would go after those particular guys but in general the next six months i think is going to be pretty good for the construction industry generally like everyone's been looking forward to this decline for the last two or three years people have been talking about it and we just haven't really seen it obviously you know in covid we had materials and we had issues with getting people and that you know the prices went skyrocket but 
the for the amount of projects that are actually out there, I think we're we're pretty good for the next six months. So my experience of the wants of construction company leaders and owners. New leaders wants to know the tricks and tactics to implement. A leader wants to know strategy, and advanced leaders want to know concepts, perspective, and philosophies. Yeah, the more I've been in business, you know, when you first start off in the construction industry, it's about tactics and strategy. How do I market? How do I, you know, prepare a bid? How do I, you know, do all my contracts, negotiate my contracts? It's all tactics that people are worried about. And it's a day-to-day -day kind of tactical minutia that people are working with. And then over time, you kind of evolve a little bit and ultimately you become a leader who understands a little bit more about concepts and how do I get other people to do the stuff that I want them to do. Like, so instead of worrying about strategies and tactics, why don't I lead a person who's way better at that than me to do that? And so when you get into that mindset of, okay, I can actually hire people that are much better at me at that specific thing, then you have to learn how to lead. And then when you start learning to lead, you kind of go down philosophy a little bit where you have to understand, well, how do I motivate people? How do I make my business a great place to work? How do I make people perform? And then when you're, you know, what you did beforehand is definitely not going to work up over there like so many construction leaders get back on the tools get back involved want to be like super on top of everything whereas that's not necessarily the way to do it the way to do it is to as warren buffett says is hire well and manage little and so how do you do that in your business and then you start understanding there's a very good book by daniel pink called drive which he talks about intrinsic and extrinsic motivators so extrinsic is getting paid and bonuses and stuff and then it's intrinsic where people want to be masters of their own domain they want to in their own little technician role that they want to become a master they also want to have autonomy and autonomy is one of these things that i'm you know it's different to flexible working hours that's not what autonomy autonomy is the ability to go and be your own person and do the thing that you want to do in your way and be allowed to do that so they're very very important obviously paying the people well and doing bonuses is, is is very important but once you kind of understand the concept of you know if rewarding people or reinforcing good behavior and reinforcing to do the right things is really important so pay is actually terrible because if you look at the month someone might do something really really good at the start of the month and work really really hard and at the end of the month he gets reinforced for whatever he did but in at that moment in time he might have been working very hard and so the pay cycle is never a good reinforcer. So how do you then reinforce people for doing good stuff as soon as they did it? Because that's the important thing is how quickly can you reinforce someone for doing a great job by saying they did a great job, giving them a bonus, giving them a reward, or whatever it happens to be encouragement right when it happened, because that's how you reinforce good behavior. And when you start thinking about these sort of concepts, it's completely different to where you were five years ago, thinking about strategy and tactics and whatever. All right, so there's the five things. So what are your comments? What do you think about any one of those? I respond to every comment that you put in there. Any questions you might have, drop them in the comment section below and I'll chat to you soon.